Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 67. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I am in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. The good news is that the first draft has now been submitted to the editor for their review and comments. Unfortunately, it's taking much longer than I had initially anticipated. But as usual, I will keep you posted on the progress. So this week, we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 31st week of 2023. And that is from Monday, the 31st of July to Friday, the 4th of August. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri. And together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where on Friday, the U.S. Labor Department released the jobs report for the month of July, which indicated a slower pace for the U.S. economy as the growth in jobs came in lower than expected. Non-farm payrolls expanded by 187,000 new jobs in July, which was slightly below market expectations for 200,000 new jobs. And in addition to the missed expectation, the jobs data for the previous month was revised downwards to 185,000 new jobs for the month of June. However, the unemployment rate dipped to 3.5%, which is the lowest level since 1969. Meanwhile, average hourly earnings rose by 0.4% for the month and the labor force participation rate held steady at 62.6% for the fifth consecutive month. And staying in the United States, on Tuesday, the credit rating agency Fitch announced that it had downgraded the United States' long-term foreign currency issuer default rating from AAA to AA+. Fitch said that the downgrade was attributed to the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years, as well as an erosion of governance, especially around the debt selling negotiations, and a growing concern about the country's debt burden. 
Moving over to the United Kingdom, on Thursday, the Bank of England effected its 14th consecutive rate hike as it raised its benchmark rate by 25 basis points to a 15-year high of 5.25%. However, the decision was split as the Monetary Policy Committee voted 6-3 to in favor of the quarter-point rate hike. The Monetary Policy Committee is unlikely to pause its monetary tightening policy and remains committed to ensuring that the bank rate is sufficiently restrictive in order to return inflation to its 2% target rate. And in the Eurozone, despite concerns about a looming recession in the Eurozone, the latest data shows that economic activity picked up in the second quarter of this year as inflation dipped in the month of July. According to initial data released on Monday, headline inflation in the Eurozone fell to 5.3% in the month of July compared to 5.5% in June. However, this remains well above the European Central Bank's target rate of 2%. Meanwhile, despite stagnant growth in the first quarter, data released on Monday showed that the Eurozone economy showed resilience as it expanded by 0.3% in the second quarter of 2023. In the U.S. stock market on Friday, both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite recorded their fourth consecutive down session as traders continued to book profits following the latest publication of corporate earnings. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 150 points to close the day at 35,065, while the S&P 500 shed 0.53% to end the session at 4,478, and the Nasdaq Composite dipped 0.36% to settle at 13,909. All the three major indices finished the week with losses as the Nasdaq declined by 2.9% and the S&P dropped by 2.3% and the Dow edged lower by 1.1%. For your information, the stock market is usually a very reliable indicator of the overall performance of a country's economy. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on U.S. Treasuries pulled back on Friday as investors digested the latest jobs report, which showed that the U.S. economy had created fewer jobs in the month of July. The yield on the 10-year Treasury bond hit a high of 4.2% before dropping about 15 basis points to 4.04%. Meanwhile, the yield on the two-year Treasury note fell more than 12 basis points to close the day at 4.77%. According to the latest data, the probability that the Federal Reserve will leave interest rates unchanged at its next policy meeting on the 19th and 20th of September is now around 85%. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated. That means as interest rates rise, bond yields fall and vice versa. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil rose more than a dollar a barrel on Friday to record its sixth consecutive week of gains after top producers Saudi Arabia and Russia 
extended supply cuts through to September. Saudi Arabia on Thursday extended a voluntary production cut of 1 million barrels per day to the end of September. And Russia has also elected to reduce its oil exports by 300,000 barrels from next month. And as a result, the international benchmark Brent crude rose by 1.3% to settle at $86.24 a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark, that is West Texas Intermediate, gained 1.6% to close at $82.82 a barrel. Both benchmarks hit their highest level since mid-April, and traders now expect Brent to trade between $85 to $90 per barrel over the coming months. Meanwhile, Marban Oil, which Kenya imports, rose marginally to $84.93 a barrel compared to $84.74 the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold rose on Friday after a slightly weaker than expected U.S. jobs report pushed the U.S. dollar and treasury yields lower but was still on track for its worst week in the past six. Following the data, the U.S. dollar index fell 0.6%, making gold less expensive for other currency holders. Spot gold was up 0.3% to $1,938 per ounce, but was still down 1% for the week. For your information, gold is highly sensitive to rising U.S. interest rates as it increases the opportunity cost of holding this non-yielding asset. And on that note, we now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And we start by looking at the cost of living in the country, where the annual rate of inflation fell to 7.3% in the month of July from 7.9% in June. And this was mainly due to a significant decline in food prices, which more than offset the increase in fuel prices. Food inflation declined to 8.6% from 10.3% in June, whilst fuel inflation increased to 13% from 9.4% in June, and this was due to an increase in value-added tax on petroleum products, which rose from 8% to 16%. For your information, at 7.3%, inflation has finally returned to the central bank's preferred target range of between 2.5%, to 7.5%. In the foreign exchange market, during the past week, the Kenya shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. According to data from the central bank, the official exchange rate for the US dollar was quoted at 1428 compared to 142.20 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the US dollar at between 146 shillings on the lower side to above 152 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 181.53 
and the euro was valued at 156.45. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 25.32 Ugandan shillings and 17.19 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.24. For your information, in the past one year, the Kenyan shilling has lost about 20% of its value against these regional currencies, which in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the region. This current trend suggests that the Kenyan shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by $47 million to $7.33 billion, which is equivalent to exactly four months of import cover, and this meets the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. In spite of the recent funding received from the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves continue to decline. This is a clear indication that our reserves remain under pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations that have now pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market was extremely tight during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. And as a consequence, the excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at a shortfall of 4.7 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate shooting to a high of 17.38% compared to 14.84% the previous week. During the past week, the average value traded in the interbank market increased to 22.9 billion shillings from 12 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 3rd of August, and the central bank received bids totaling 11.3 billion shillings, again as an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 47%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, about 6.7 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 33 basis points to settle at 12.68%, whilst the 182-day rate rose by 16 basis points to 12.55%, and the 364-day rate increased by 38 basis points to average out at 13.10%. 
For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that the 91-day rate is now higher than the 182-day rate, which means that the yield curve is now beginning to invert, and that is a classical sign of an upcoming economic recession. The following is an important announcement on government securities, that is treasury bills and bonds. The Central Bank of Kenya has launched what they're calling the Dow CSD, which is a web-based platform as well as a mobile application that allows retail investors both in Kenya and abroad to invest in government securities in an easy and convenient way. The new platform, which went live on Monday the 31st of July, allows retail investors to open bond trading accounts with the central bank, referred to as CSD, that is Central Securities Depository, and thereafter be able to purchase government securities directly from the comfort of their mobile devices without having to physically show up at any central bank office. For more information on this new product, please visit the Central Bank of Kenya website. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya has published the prospectus for its August bond issue and has invited bids from the public for the following two bonds whose terms and conditions are as follows. The first bond is FXD1-2023-02. This is a new bond issue with a two-year tenor and whose coupon rate will be market determined. The second bond is FXD1-2023-05. This is a reopened bond with 4.9 years left to maturity and a coupon at 16.844%. The central bank is looking to raise 40 billion shillings for the purpose of budgetary support. And the bonds are now open for sale until Wednesday the 16th of August. And the minimum application amount is 50,000 shillings. And the interest earned on these bonds will be subject to withholding tax at a rate of 15%. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 49% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's euro bonds were on an upward trajectory and increased by an average of 39 basis points with a yield on the 10-year 2024 euro bond recording the largest increase of 90 basis points from 12.6% the previous week to 13.5%. The massive increase in yields was mainly attributed to a warning by the rating agency Moody's, which indicated that the planned eurobond buyback may constitute a default. This is absolutely shocking stuff, and we will discuss this in our topical issue at the tail end of this podcast. The following is a summary of the key interest rates in the Kenyan financial market. We start by looking at the central bank rate, which is the rate that the central bank uses to signal and transmit its monetary policy intentions. 
which is currently at 10.5%. Meanwhile, the interbank rate, which represents the basic cost of funds and is the rate at which commercial banks borrow and lend money to each other, is now hovering above 17%. And on the investment side, the 91-day Treasury bill rate, which represents the risk-free rate of return and is the rate at which government borrows money from the public, is now trading at 12.68%. And on the cost of living, Kenya's rate of inflation is now at 7.3%, which means that the prices of goods and services have increased by that percentage over the past 12 months. The rate of inflation is also a good indicator of the minimum rate required for any investment to deliver a positive real rate of return. And for your information, the next Monetary Policy Committee meeting will be held this coming week on Wednesday, the 9th of August. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the month of July, the equities market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI declining by 1.4%, while the NSE 20 and the NSE 25 gained marginally by just 0.1% and 0.01% respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 16.6% for the NASI, 4.8% for the NSC 20 and 12.1% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large cap stocks such as East African Breweries, Diamond Trust Bank, and Safaricom, which declined by 9%, 4.3%, and 3.4%, respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by banking stocks such as Equity Group. ABSA Bank and Standard Chartered Bank, which increased by 7.2%, 4.7%, and 2.8%, respectively. In the month of July, the turnover in equities increased by 84% to $53.8 million. Meanwhile, foreign investors turned into net sellers with a net selling position of $21.2 million from a net buying position of $800,000 that was recorded the previous month in June. Up next is the topical issue. This week, we review the warning issued by Moody's about Kenya's planned eurobond buyback. According to a Bloomberg article, Kenya's eurobonds plunged on Wednesday after Moody's Investor Services warned that the country's planned buyback may constitute a default. The comments from Moody's are based on Kenya's plan to buy back half of its 2 billion 2024 eurobond before the end of this year. And as a result, the yield on this particular bond rose by about 90 basis points to 13.5% which was its highest level in over a month. A senior officer at Moody's said the redeeming of the bond at the current price, which happens to be below the par value, would translate into financial losses for investors. And according to Moody's, 
This may be considered a distressed exchange, which occurs when creditors incur financial losses and when the buyback has the effect of allowing the issuer to avoid a possible default. The officers said they would need to see the detailed terms and conditions of the buyback before determining whether it constitutes a distressed exchange and therefore a default according to Moody's definition. Concerns about Kenya's ability to repay the 2024 eurobond were also cited by Fitch Ratings when it revised the outlook on the country's debt to negative. In addition to that, just last week, Moody's also revised its outlook to negative, saying that even after redeeming the 2024 eurobond, Kenya still faces substantial debt servicing costs. Kenya's debt burden has been a focal point for investors as the country faces a U.S. dollar shortage on the back of rising imports for fuel, oil, and food. And with the country's foreign currency reserves now standing at a bare minimum of $7.3 billion, most investors are concerned that Kenya could be forced into debt restructuring like other African nations such as Ghana and Zambia. And on that rather negative note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories, that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri is spelled J-A-M-U. H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support and I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, there is no one like you and there shall never be anyone like you. Therefore, know yourself and be true to yourself. Authenticity is everything. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.